And welcome to Reliving My Youth, the show where we look back at pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noel Fogelman, and today we have two very special guests. One is Allison Arngram, who played memorable Nellie Olson from Little House on the Prairie, probably one of the biggest bitches in TV history. Nellie, not Allison. Allison was great. And probably the biggest Little House fan I know. Not probably. Definitely the biggest Little House fan I know, my lovely wife, Jody. Hello, Jody. Hello. So... I surprised Jody with Allison having her on on the interview. Uh, happy early birthday present. Thanks a lot. Yeah, okay. It was pretty cheap this year. I got away, got away scot free there. Uh, Allison was great. She was promoting her um, her one woman show, all her other projects, a web series called Life Interrupted, which is really great. Uh, Confessions of a Prairie Bitch, her book. Uh, she's super busy these days, as is my lovely wife Jody. And here is Allison. And helping me relive my youth today is Allison Ongram. Allison, how are you today? I'm very good. How are you? We're doing great. I'm here. I kind of surprised my wife with this interview because she's uh, a huge Little House fan. So. I'm a huge fan. I started watching the show. I think I was about four years old, and I was hooked on the first episode I saw. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so before we get to you know Little House and stuff like that, I recently watched Life Interrupted. I thought it was amazing. Uh, how did you get involved with that project? Great. Well, what happened is it's one of those everybody knew everybody kind of things. Um, I had met Mason Reese. Um, for those of you listening, Mason Reese uh, in the 1970s, there was a whole series of commercials for Underwood Deviled Ham and this very goofy-looking, adorable little boy, Mason Reese. Was, I know what that was, a bug as much. And he did, like, all the commercials. He was always on the Mike Douglas show back in the day when that was the thing to be on. He was on, like, 22 times. I think he set a record for the Mike Douglas show. And he would do things like Saturday Night Sports with Howard Cosell and Mason Reese. So he was, like, this sort of huge celebrity at, you know, eight. And he then went on when he grew up. He moved to New York and became a successful restaurateur uh, bar owner. So time marches on, and I ran into Mason Reese in New York. I met him at one of my shows. And he said, I, I think I'm getting, I am want to go back in to the business. I think I want to act again, be in a TV show, but I, I don't even know what it would look like. I have no idea. But, I mean, it's been 800 years. But I kind of want to do something again, just for kicks. So then time goes on, and he calls this guy, Steve Wishnoff, who's a friend of mine, friend of his, and says, Steve, I'm thinking of doing something. And Steve goes, well, I could write it, because Steve, he used to work for TV Land, he's written a bunch of stuff, he was on the TV series Oz about the prison, so he really knows his stuff. And he said, let me take a shot at it. So he starts writing this, this pilot, and he calls me up, and he says, do you want to play Mason Reese's ex-wife? And I laughed. I said, so I'm not married to him. He goes, no, 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 he's just divorced. You just pretend he did. I said, okay, I could do that. Then he calls me back and says, okay, you've left Mason for a woman, but it's okay because it's Erin Murphy. And I go, I know her. And he goes, yeah, exactly. It's all people you know. So I say, okay, I'd be married to Erin Murphy. She's gorgeous. Erin Murphy is the woman in which is a little girl to play Tabitha on The Witch. Right. And if you've, if you've seen her pictures on Facebook or seen her on TV, or anything, she's just like amazing, great, great woman. So he said, okay, so you've left me to for Murphy. And then he calls back like five minutes later, okay, I just talked to Don Wells, who I also know, who is Marianne in Gilligan's Island, and Don Wells is fabulous. I've done a bunch of TV shows with her. He says, Don Wells is playing your mother. I said, okay, I am so in. I am so doing it. It's getting like funnier and funnier. And it just escalated from there. He wound up getting a, a Michael Lerner, who was the mother of the Waltons, to play my mother in Lot, play Aaron's mom. A lot of the ex-child star gang, Brandon Cruz, um, uh, um, the, the 
Robbie Rist, who was Oliver on, on the Brady Bunch. Right. We named him Oliver in the show. Yeah, that was great. Everybody's in this thing. And we shot, uh, we found all these great, one of the locations is actually the kitchen of Jeannie Russell. Jeannie Russell was on Dennis the Menace. And just, so everyone, it was like, everybody called their friends. And we shot this thing, but because everyone was in the business and everybody knew somebody, we had access to some cool stuff. We were able to do a Kickstarter kind of thing, raise some money. But instead of just saying, well, I don't think we can get the good cameras, well, let's call so-and-so and her husband's a cinematographer. So next thing we know, we had all the best equipment, all the best editing. So we had access to some really good stuff in our little social circle. So we shot this amazing pilot in a few days, and it's hysterical, and uh, shopping it around, and then it's like now, you know, Chris, the new thing is everything is a web series. I'm on, like, four web series now. Right. And uh, so we broke it out into episodes, and people just, they love it, love it, love it. It's been winning awards at film festivals. We're, oh, there's another one in October. We're going to the San Pedro Film Festival. We're, like, the opening weekend film. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's funny to see, like, these different characters that you grew up with playing these different roles, like Dawn Wells, you know, Wholesome Marianne, right. playing basically Mona from Who's the Boss? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and she's, like, totally chasing after the, the, the bus boy The bus guy. boy, yeah, yeah exactly. Her. You know, and, and Mrs. Walton playing sort of a bitch. <laughs> right, and she so loves that. That was the thing, is, is we're saying, well, who do we get for the mother-in-law? And then my publicist, Harlan, said, well, have you asked Michael Learned? Because, you know, she really loves doing comedy. Everyone thinks of her as mother well, but that what she wants to do is be funny. She's always like, nobody calls me to come be funny, please. So she jumped at it. She read the script, said, this is hilarious. I'm so doing this. She just loved doing it. Yeah, it was great. And uh, one thing, I just when I was researching your career, I found out, and I got super excited, that your mother was the voice of Gumby. <laughs> that is correct. My mother, she was very big in voiceover. Um, she was Gumby. She was Sweet Polly Purebred Underdog's Girlfriend, which I think was her favorite, so was mine. She also was Davy of Davy and Goliath. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, of course, Casper the Friendly right. Ghost. Yeah, because I, I recognize the name, but I just didn't put two and two together. I used to love, like, all those shows. Gumby was one of my favorites. Right. And... Well, at one point on Saturday mornings, I mean, I would turn on the TV, and it was like every third cartoon was my mother. She was yeah. everybody. And she did hundreds of, like, little cartoon roles, so she kind of popped up in everything. I'd be watching some other cartoon and go, wait, okay, that's her, too. <laughs> and she did commercials. She did, at one point, I think her, would she get up to, I think she did over 100 commercials between, from the 50s, the 60s, all the way up through the 80s so she did she she hundreds of commercials and she was in everything and you could and there was a Cocoa Puffs commercial so you could literally be watching the cartoons and she'd be all the cartoons <laughs> and then she'd be the Cocoa Puffs commercial it was amazing um she got a big break really uh she'd been in radio when they did the uh a comedy album called The First Family uh, back in the early 60s. It was about the Kennedys. And it was Vaughn Meter, a famous uh, stand-up comedian at the time, who did an impression of JFK. And so Vaughn Meter was JFK on this album, and my mom did the voices of Little Caroline and John John, the Kennedy kids. And the album, The First Family, was like, it set records at the time for fastest-selling album. It's still one of the biggest-selling comedy albums in history. Right. Um, I'm going to... Give the floor to my wife now with some Little House questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the one thing I really want to know is 
because based on things that I've read and interviews that I've seen you give, um, your character of Nelly on the show is just complete opposite of who you really are. And right? I was, uh, total opposite. And I was just wondering, how much fun was it to play that character? Exactly, because, I mean, <laughs> if you've read it, you know, I was shy as a child. Nelly, I was, I was more the victim of the Nellies at my junior high and my elementary school. I was bully fodder. I, I got beaten up all the time. I was the poor schmuck <laughs> like Laura. I was not the queen bee like Nellie. I was much more the kid who wouldn't be invited to join the club or would get picked on. And the idea that I suddenly got cast to play this girl who everyone is terrified of was just the funniest thing in the world. It's like, oh, wow. And I liked villains. I, I would watch, you know, the scary movies. I liked the villains. I liked frightening things. When I was really little, I watched, you know, the Mary Martin musical production of Peter Pan on TV, and I wanted to be Captain Hook. So, you know, ah, I always liked those characters. And then I get Nelly, and it's like, it was great, because I used to be scared of everybody and everything, and then everyone's afraid of me. Um, what a release. What a release to go to work and yell and scream at people and throw things all day. It was fabulous. <laughs> Yeah, and then between you and, you know, Harriet, you know, Catherine McGregor, the, oh the, the chemistry you two had oh, was, it was unbelievable. And it's just incredible. And she said something once about Mrs. Olsen character that really made a lot of sense. Because people were like, wow, she was over the top. I mean, it totally worked. But, but how, why did she think to act like... She said early on, she said, I was reading the script and I started thinking, wait a minute. Okay, yeah, she's the storekeeper and the, the one she's kind of a hard woman, but wait. These are books written by this woman remembering her childhood. This is the perspective of, well, a nine-year-old girl. And she said, maybe the, you know, Mrs. Olsen maybe wasn't really that terrible for all we know, but for Laura, a teeny little girl to go in this big store, and this woman all in black who has such power and runs the store and is being mean to her mother and all, that would scare her to death. She said, so I started thinking, how terrifying would this woman be to a nine-year-old girl? And if we're thinking of a nine-year-old's memories of that awful woman at the store, it would be much bigger. She'd be much scarier and much more outrageous. So she went with that, and it worked. And I think the reason the show and these characters were out to head, I mean, everybody wanted to have a family like the Ingalls, but... Most people are living like the Ingalls. Most people don't have any money. They're living in a tiny house with two rooms and a bunch of kids hoping the crops don't fail. And everybody knows a Mrs. Olson. Everyone has a Mrs. Olson at their job or in their neighborhood or on their city council. And everybody knows a Nellie. And everyone who's ever survived junior high school got stuck with some girl like a Nellie in their class. Everyone knows these people. <laughs> it's very true. Yes. So now, when you guys filmed the show, obviously it was uh, in California, not in Minnesota. And, yeah, for sure. Right, and I'm sure it was in the summer, right? <laughs> well, a lot of the summer, and, and the weird part was even when we shot in the winter, I mean, we start shooting heavily in the old days when they really had a season. Now they just shoot with all the cable shows randomly throughout the year. But in the old days, you'd break in, in like February and have pilot season, and you'd start shooting in May. So June, July, and August were big months because you know, all the kids are out, you know, a little more time, not having to do three hours school. And then September, October, November, we get a break in December and then stop sometime in January, February. But even in the winter, We'd be out in Simi Valley, it would be cold, but you know, there's no snow. And someone brought something up the other day. They said, well, also, the crazy part is, 
in, in the rest of the country, in the summer, the hills and the fields are green, and the winter, they go all brown. But in California, in the summer, when there's no rain and it's a million degrees, everything goes brown. And it's in our winter, when it finally rains and cools off enough, that the hillsides go green. So, which I guess kind of worked, because you're always shooting, like, months ahead. So we often shot our winter scenes in the summer and summer in the winter, so I guess that sort of worked out for us. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure those outfits, it must have been, like, scorching hot to wear all those well, outfits. Have you, have you been out to California? Yeah. Yeah, okay, Simi Valley is uh, out there off the 118 freeway in uh, L.A., just out here. It's, it's not far from me now, but it's... It's really hot out there. It's out in the valley, and it's always a little hotter. And in the summer, easily 110 is, is not, over 100 degrees is not unheard of. It's very common. 104, 105, and there were summers. There were times, especially like August, September, it, did, it could hit 110. So if it's 106, 110, and you're wearing petticoats and a dress that's up to your neck and all the way to the sleeves down to your, your wrist, and I'm wearing the wig... And then back in the day, you know, they had the happy life. Now everything's digital. I'm so happy that they've got this new technology and everything's digital. They don't need the hot lights anymore. It's just really wonderful. But back then, we had these blazing hot lights because it was film. So you're standing in 110-degree heat with two giant hot lights pointed at your face and wearing petticoats in 1800s clothes. It was awful. We were just frying. Did, did you often have to redo scenes because of because of that like did it take a lot of takes to get through you know, yeah it, it was one of these, i mean we we're out in cbc outdoors a lot of things would happen like our big one was always a uh, holding for airplanes <laughs> obviously can a plane going by ruins the sound and it's the 1800s but planes right so we stand there and they go, plane and we all go ah. and they go all the way and they'd all turn to the sound man with his headphones because he could hear the last of the plane fading when he go Almost gone, almost gone. Okay, it's gone. I go, go again. <laughs> so airplanes, um, excessive wind. Uh, yeah, sometimes they'd have to stop because people would be sweating and the makeup person have to step in and like blot them down with a little powder. Uh, I passed out at least once a year, usually first day of summer. I would just be in the middle of it and go, okay, guys, bye, and like black out and hit the ground, and they'd have to revive me. I lost it at least once a summer. Wow. And your hair must have been drenched oh, yeah. underneath that wig. <laughs> well, right, and that's the thing. It was a wig. So you, that, that, they tried curling my hair, but there you go. The heat and humidity just wouldn't stay curled. And so they designed the wig. Very expensive. I think it was the most expensive wig on a TV show at that time in the 70s. And sure, it's been surpassed. But it was really fabulous. It was all custom done to my head and matched my hair. Very elaborate. And uh, a guy named Ziggy Geico is a famous wig maker at Hollywood back in the 30s. It's really a big deal. But that thing hurt so much. It was a giant metal comb in the front that anchors <laughs> to my head. And then all these hairpins they had to put in to keep it steady when I was, like, rolling around in the mud. So it looked fabulous, and it wouldn't fade, and the curls wouldn't come undone even in the humidity and the heat. But um, I don't know that I've ever worn anything quite that painful in my life. And, and again, 110 degree heat. It was, it was pretty brutal. Right. Um, I, oh, well, one thing. you Obviously, the scenes that I look forward to, and you know, many of the episodes are Nellie and Laura's you know, confrontations, arguments, yes. fights. They were very fun to watch. Reflecting back, are you able to recall your favorite fight with Laura? Oh, wow. 
That's, um, I know that's a yeah, tough question because they were a lot. <laughs> I have quite the memory, and, and obviously some of these are just burned into my brain. So many of them. I mean, early on, our first fight, all that just, you know, ring around the Rosie Uncle John stuff, throwing punches. And I remember oh, that. Yeah, she pushed you down in that one. I remember that one. First fist fight. Uh, I I had passed. I'd gotten sick from the heat, and I'd fallen over, and they'd take me to the dressing room. They'd revive me. And I was resting. They said, well, let her rest for a little bit in the air conditioning. So I'm resting, and my aunt was trying to get me to eat something. And Melissa Gilbert was pacing outside my dressing room. You know, like the cartoons with the expected fathers in the hospital. She's pacing outside the room. Saying she has to be okay, my Annie Mary says, Are you all right? She said she has to get better. We have to I have to punch her. We have to beat <laughs> each other up in two hours. She has to come back down. And she was so looking forward to the fight scene that she was distraught that, that I wasn't well and was hoping I'd get better that day because she'd prepared for the fight scene. <laughs> and I did, I did. I got better and she was able to punch me and knock me down. Um we so enjoyed these fight scenes. There's something about play fighting with someone that you're actually friends with that you can go crazy because you know nobody's really going to hurt each other and um, mm -hmm. the mud fight still is one of my favorites because that went on so long they put us out in the mud and it, you know there were multiple once we were in the mud the fall, the, the, we, there were endless camera angles and takes so we were we were in that mud all afternoon and got to knock each other around over and over again and we were just laughing so hard while we were covered in mud, smacking each other around. It was it was insane. I remember that episode well. <laughs> if you watch watch that one when you, if you have like DVDs and watch very closely towards the end of the mud fight, Melissa flips me. She's really strong. She's I'm bigger <laughs> than her, and she completely tosses me, like flips me over. She flips me over, a little wiry thing, and she gets me in a headlock. And you can see her do this. She gets, I'm screaming and screaming and screaming. She got me in a headlock. And she gets a handful of mud and shoves it right in my mouth. <laughs> you can see her do it on the video. It's totally intentional. That is so funny. I think I will do that considering I have all nine seasons on DVD. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's really hysterical. <laughs> Yeah, thanks to her wonderful husband, right? Yes, yes. He bought them all for me because I am a Gotta huge fan. As, as I always tease people by stay out of bed, I said, no, buy the DVDs because they get money from those. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, every 100000 I get about a dollar. <laughs> yeah, no, she, she has the DVDs, and then she'll record 9 million of them on, uh, on the TiVo. Yeah, <laughs> the case. It's just easier yeah. that way. Uh, yeah. uh, of course. <laughs> now, she also... The DVDs are high def and Blu-ray now. You can see stuff. There's scenes put back that were cut for commercials for Tom. And they put stuff back. They remastered it from the original 35 millimeter and all this stuff. So the sound and the color and every, oh, it's amazing. The DVDs are really great. Did they add more scenes with Carrie? It's not just a commercial. It's really fabulous. I love those DVDs. Yeah. Did they add more scenes with uh, with Carrie? Because I always joke with with Jody that uh, she's just you know in the show. She's in the background. She's in the well. She never has a part in the show. And then when she does talk, I mean. You can't understand what she's saying. Right. I mean, I, I do have a routine about that. I talk about that. What is the deal with baby Carrie? And, and the Ingalls all act like they understand her. Right. Because she comes into the room and she's like, Pa, I like, yes, Carrie. And then what happened? It's like she's freaking cousin it or something. Yeah. It's like Chewbacca. That child. We tease her mercilessly about that. I'm friends with, um, they're played by twins, Rachel and Robin. Right. And Rachel lives not far from me now, and we go to parties and events and stuff all the time. But we tease Rachel mercilessly about that. Um, just the other day, someone put a clip up on her Facebook and said, okay, what the heck are you saying? <laughs> Yeah, 
I, I wish every episode that she puts on, I'm like, oh, is this the one that Carrie fell down the well? And she's like, shut up, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Now, she, uh, she just uh, downloaded your book on the Kindle, Confessions of a oh, Prairie Bitch. Yes. Uh, how did you uh, get involved with writing that book? Well, I've been, my friends and everyone I know have been kept saying, you have to do a book. They said, you've got to write a book. They've been bugging me to write a book for years. And I started working on it, and I was doing, um, I've been doing stand-up for years, and I started doing this one-woman show where I started telling true stories. And as I was doing it, I started saying, well, I should write long versions. I mean, yes, I'm talking about these things on stage, but I started writing long versions of these stories of all these things that happened. And... A literary agent came to my show in New York at the, you know, in because that's I perform in New York every spring, and uh, this really great guy Kent D. Wolf came, and he contacted me and said, "Is there a book to go with the show?" And I said, "Yes, there is," because I had been. You know, so I always say, "You got to be prepared." I always say, joke. I said, "Yes, opportunity may knock, but if you don't get off the couch and go open the door, it's not going to help you." Um, so I, I was ready. I said, "I do, I do. I have written some stuff." And he said, "Great, can I see it?" And I said, "Absolutely." And I sent him four chapters and outline. We talked, and next thing I knew, he had meetings set up with publishers, and I wound up cutting a lovely deal with a fabulous Harper Collins, which is kind of funny because Harper Collins as I'm sure your wife knows, are the people who published the Little House in the Prairie books in the first place from Laura Ingalls Wilder. So as, as the woman at Harper put it, we are the mothership. And they wound up getting the Nellie Olson books. They were very happy. Um, and it was, it's been a big hit. It really has. I made it to the New York Times bestseller list, very proud. And people are still buying the darn thing. That's what gets me, is it came out in 2010. Then the paperback came out. Then it's good. And... It's such a hit. I've had such demand for it. I'm doing the audio version of the book uh, just this summer. I just signed contracts, and I'm going to be doing audio version probably recording this month. Oh, that's right. I was just going to ask you if there is an audio version of it. Right, because everybody nowadays wants the audio version. That's the, the, the thing. And so I absolutely am doing an audio version of it, So, and I'll be reading that, and it'll be fun, and you'll be able to get that and download it. That's nice. great. So besides that, what are some of the, your projects that you're working on now? Oh, geez, Louise. So many things. Um, Sunday, I just did another one of my Nasty Nelly uh, tour of Hollywood things that I do. I'm doing another one in August on the 20th. Uh, and you can look all that fun stuff up online. Uh, Nasty Nelly tour of Hollywood is a thing I do with my friend Richard, who's a professional tour guide, where it's a tour, a three-hour tour of Hollywood. and uh, But you get personalized stories. So say we go somewhere that would be on a Hollywood tour anyway, like the famous Chateau Marmont on Sunset Boulevard where all these celebrities live. But I lived there as a child, and I have stories about the Chateau Marmont. And we go to Liberace's house. My father worked for Liberace. We go to Michael Landon's house. So there's a, it's a personalized Hollywood tour, and I tell funny stories, and you get an autographed picture. Oh, we stop for milkshakes. We're the only tour in Hollywood that stops for milkshakes. It's really fun. Doing that again in August. So I do that all the time. Um... I'm still writing. Um, I have people demanding a second book. I guess I said I'm getting the audio book out. Uh, I'm working on a cookbook. Um, we're promoting Life Interrupted. We're going to the uh, San Pedro uh, Film Festival in October. Very excited about that. Uh, early August, first weekend in August, I'm going a uh, quick drive up the coast here to um, a place called Fraser Park. They're having a thing called Fiesta Days. It's a really cute small town event with a parade, but it's a bunch of us little house people. Uh, Rachel Greenbush, Baby Carrie, and I. Also, Brian Part, who, well, you're a hardcore fan, so you know. Remember when Patricia Neal 
came on Little House in the Prairie, and she was dying, and she had to get her three kids adopted. The Sandersons. And then Mr. Edwards. Mr. Edwards married the postmistress, and they took in the three kids. And yes. Ron Jr. and Carl and Alicia. Yeah. Oh, Carl, that darling little blonde boy who's on the show. That's Brian Park. So Brian and Rachel and I are all doing a parade and event uh, in August. Then um, it's the, then we have the tour. Then I go to France. I go to France in September. Very excited about that. Three shows. Two shows in France. One show in Belgium. This is a show I do now. Um, I started doing my stand-up show, a version of it, in French a few years ago. Uh, Patrick Lubatier wrote a whole adaptation of it. So it was Confession d'une gaffe de la Prairie. And now we have a whole new show called Le Mal au Trésor de Nelly Olson, which is Nelly Olson's Trunk of Treasures. And I'll be doing that in September. I might, might be going to uh, Florida in October. Uh, for some stand-up gigs. Looking forward to that. Um, and then, of course, I'm coming back to New York in the spring. I also, I have so many things going on. There's a marvelous thing I'm doing now called The Indomitable Spirit, and it's a series of speakers, presentations, and workshops, and it's kind of a self-empowerment thing, and we've got a website called theindomitablespirit.com, and uh, we have T-shirts and tote bags and everything. And what it is is these... We kept, my friend Carolyn Peterson and I, we kept running into these people. She came through this idea. She said, I keep meeting these people and I get many who've overcome unbelievable odds. People who've had cancer, who've had AIDS, who were in a car accident, who lost everything, who were told they were going to die or were told that their life uh, was going to go nowhere. They experienced horrible trauma as a child, were told they would never recover and go on to lead a normal life. And they did. They did. They not only didn't die, they didn't shut down, they didn't go crazy, they didn't kill themselves. They kept it together, and they not only went on to live, but to, to thrive and have these amazing lives, these just incredible stories of courage and perseverance. And we said, somebody has to do something with this. So we started this thing called the Indomitable Spirit, where people can come and hear these people talk about how they did it. And we're going to do, like, online interviews as well. People will be able to download videos about how these people did it and how it can help them. And uh, it's very empowering. We had our first workshop, and people just went wild. They got to hear two people speak who just overcome the most amazing stuff. And they, they, they just loved it, loved it, loved it. So I'm working on that. Um, of course, I am still on the board of the National Association of Protect Children or Protect.org, and you can go to Protect.org. Um, we do a lot of stuff helping change laws to protect children from child abusers and predators. We also have a program, the Hero Corps, uh, where we're training people to help the uh, ICAC teams, Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. So we do a lot of stuff of making sure that law enforcement has money and resources to fight crimes against children and uh, helping change the, the legal playing field for kids so they have a better shot. And it's really an incredible organization, the stuff they've done to rescue children from child predators. I love them. Uh, Allison, that was great. Thank you so much for a few minutes today, and uh, we'll definitely see you in New York next uh, spring. Oh, absolutely. And sign up for my newsletter. If you go to um, Loose Gravel Prod uh, at AOL, uh, 
Um, or you can go to my website. My website, you'll love my website. It's called bonnetheads.com. E-O-N-N-E-T-H-E-A-D-S. Because you're all a bunch of little bonnet heads. You're very fed. Bonnetheads.com. And there you can read about when you can sign up for the newsletter. You can just email us at loosegravelprod at AOL. And we'll sign you up for the newsletter and get it out to you every month. We're, uh, my husband's writing it right now. And it's all about where I'm going to be. It's also everything about what the cast of Little House is doing. We have a section called Prairie Tidbits where we update you on everyone's activities. Uh, it also includes the saga of Sock Monkey which is really crazy and complicated, but you'll love it. And uh, that comes out every month. So you should sign up for that. Go to my website. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm, I'm on everything they got. So <laughs> it's easy to find on the Internet. You can follow all the stuff I'm doing. Um, yeah, and, and check out. If you've, been, if you've seen Life Interrupted, check out my YouTube channel, uh, Mephisto Box, and all of the other crazy shows I'm on are on there, too. Awesome. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you so much. And a special thanks to Allison Arngrim for joining us today. She told you where you can follow her on social media. Go on YouTube. Watch Life Interrupted. It's really funny. Also, a special thanks to my wife, Jody for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed your early birthday present. You can go on Twitter and follow me at the first Noel 19 On Facebook, like the page Reliving My Youth. And go on iTunes for all past episodes. They're quite entertaining, if I say so myself. And a special thanks to everyone, again, for helping me relive my youth.